Welcome to the Let Me Halal Extra podcast, brought to you by M-Gage Action. This is the Muslim American podcast where we dissect today's political climate, tease apart hypocrisy, and gear up for elections. We'll understand how American politics is changing and how we can be a force that shapes it. From the top minds in politics and social justice, let me halal at ya. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Nadia Alarakia, and I am um, the host of Let Me Halal At Ya. Today, we have Nabila Mansoor with us, and she is an endorsed candidate from M-Gage running for office in Sugarland, Texas, which is a suburb of Houston in the City Council District 2. Hi, Nabila. Hi, Nadia. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, can you just give us um, an overview about yourself and let us know a little bit about what, how you got here and what kind of inspired you to run for office? Yeah, um, I was an attorney. I graduated from law school. I moved here from Ashley Toronto, from Canada. And I uh, came here, grad- went to law school after I got married, and then worked for a little bit, um, and then took some time off. And then when I went back to work, I didn't really want to go back into that law firm setting. Um, so I, I joined Engage, and I was actually the original ED, executive director over here in Houston. And um, I think that's when I had my political awakening, to be honest with you. I mean, I was always someone who was interested in politics, but maybe didn't understand how important it is for people that are coming from communities of color, communities of, of, of faith that maybe are not so prominent to be involved in politics. And um, I think after joining and, and, and doing, you know, we did a really uh, comprehensive um, emerging leaders class, which was our which was our youth leadership program, where we recruited people from universities, like college age students, and kind of gave them the civic leadership skills that would hopefully allow them to become leaders for tomorrow. So doing that and 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 getting to know some of the civic leadership within our city, um, getting to understand what motivates people to vote, why people are not voting, understanding how important that is, um, and then getting involved really within the political scene here in Sugarland in Houston, uh, something happened, right? So I didn't really think I would ever run for office, but after last November, I saw a lot of folks that I had helped on their campaign get into office and then was asked to run and um, really didn't take it too seriously in the beginning but then started looking at what it is that a Sugarland City Council member, how is it that a Sugarland City Council member serves, what are the qualifications, and realizing that my skill set was something that could very easily be overlaid on that, and that this was an opportunity for us to make sure that that our representation, at least on the local level, represents the people that live in, in, this, in this district, which is District 2 of Sugarland. We actually visited Sugarland for the first time in December um, as a destination for a potential move back to the U.S. And we actually fell in love with it. It's a great city. Mm-hmm. Um, love the vicinity to, you know, other areas in Houston where businesses are and things like that. So I definitely see the attraction um, to the city for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a wonderful place to, to live and raise your children. I mean, people move here because the schools are good. Um, they have, you know... Uh, affordable housing, uh, good parks, I mean, all of those things are wonderful. Um, but it's, it's important that we, we keep, keep going in that direction and take it into the future. So we can't rest on our laurels. Uh, we have to keep looking on how we can make improvements. And then obviously, you know, you had said three issues. I think the other one is uh, we got hit with Hurricane Harvey not too long ago. 
So we're still seeing kind of the ramifications of that even now. And unfortunately, that is not a thing of the past. There will be more storms. There will be more natural disasters coming in the future. So that is something that is on everybody's mind. So drainage of our streets, um, making sure we're doing the right studies to make sure that the Brazos River, which is the biggest river here in Sugarland, uh, it's being eroded. We know that. Making sure that those erosion studies are looking into how we can make sure we can make sure that we mitigate that erosion and come up with ways that we can uh, help us when the next storm hits. And the next storm will hit. I mean, we live, we're a coastal city. So so those are things that are on people's minds. And those are things that I would like to take to Sugarland City Council. The third thing is, I think, um, you know, Sugarland is a wonderful place to live. It doesn't mean that our past doesn't have um, problems or, or, or issues. And, and I live down the street from a school, a high school that was built on, um, on ground. It's a vocational school. And it's literally down the street. It's in District 2 of Sugarland. And we, me and my family watched with real curiosity as that school was being built. And there was uh, all of a sudden this story that came out. Um, and a friend of mine, Reverend Reggie Moore, had told folks uh, in the school board that the school that you're being built is built on the bones of 95 least convicts. What I say is Sugarland is a wonderful place to live now, but we can't forget our history. And that used to be an old prison cemetery, and they found the bones of 95. We call them the Sugarland 95. And uh, and Reverend Reggie Moore knew that this was this was going to be found. That the convict leasing is an abhorrent practice. So after the Civil War ended, all of a sudden um, plantation owners lost some free labor. So what were they going to do? So there's a reason Sugarland is called Sugarland. We have sugar factories here. What what happened was like overnight, these sugar plantation owners lost the, their slavery. I mean, slavery was now outlawed. So what they did was they brought in another form of slavery, and that was a, an important system of of convict leasing. So they would take the convicts, they would lease them from the prison center, and they would make them work just like they did uh, they did the enslaved people before that. And the conditions of working in, in swamp-like sugar plantations were the worst. I mean, it was all alligator swamp land. There were alligators and there were mosquitoes. The work was abhorrent. These prisoners were brought in for, for really, you know, just, just no reason at all, like vagabondry or something. And they were caught in the system. And so I worked really hard um, to support the comic leasing project that said that, look, now that we've found their bones, we need to make sure that we re-enter them and make a memorial space. And then uh, it made national news, and it took a long time. But the city, city of Sugarland punted on this issue because the land was originally owned by them and gave it to the school board. And the school board fought it in court and said, no, we'll just take the bones and enter them in a nearby center. And it went to court. They lost. It went to the historical commission. The historical commission said this is the only known Convent leasing cemetery that we have in the entire country that this should be preserved. Wow. And so now uh, the school board and the city and the county are trying to figure out a way to make sure that those remains are back interned in the place that they were. We could have avoided a lot of this if the city and the county and everyone had just done the right thing. So I think there, there needs to be that voice on City of Sugarland to like not do the right thing once history is already written. Right. Like Martin Luther King was one of the most disliked, unpopular people when he got assassinated and now everybody loves him. But but and so now everybody's like, oh, yeah, we should really turn them. This is horrible. But to be on the right side of history when it counts. Right. Like when that history is being made. So uh, I think that voice is needed. 
And, and I'd like to be that voice where we're, we're, which is on the right side of history from the beginning. So Sugarland, um, I was doing a little bit of research on Houston overall, and I think um, Sugarland and the, the county that Sugarland is in is the second most diverse county in the United States behind Queens, I think. There's obviously a lot of diversity, a lot of different types of people. Do you think that the Muslim community in Sugarland is represented well and has a voice? I like to say we're the most diverse city and the most diverse county in the country. So yeah, Fort Bay County is very diverse. Sugarland is really diverse. Um, I think the power structure in every city and across America very often doesn't reflect the diversity of the people in it, right? And, th- and that needs to change. And it is changing. So in our race, um, there's three. So I'm running in an open seat and um, there's three people running and two of them on the side. And I think that's a good thing. So people were like, you know, you shouldn't run or whatever. And I mean, I was the one who announced first. And, and, and so I, you know, I didn't decide to run. Um, but anyways, I, that's beside the point. What I'm saying is there's a lot of, of Muslims in the city. And the fact that there's more Muslim candidates running is a good thing. Because that shows that we have qualified people that are now taking that plunge and, and going in there and trying to make sure that they make change. Is there room for improvement? Yes. There is definitely room for improvement, certainly in a city like, like Sugarland. And Sugarland still has a lot of places that are very much, I would consider, old Sugarland, which are still very like pockets of the establishment, um, old Sugarland uh, ideas. But it doesn't reflect the people that certainly live in District 2, which is my district. Um, so so we're, we're really excited. We believe we have a packed victory that will build on the same people that came out and, and, and voted for Beto, voted for Shri Kulkarni, who was a very good candidate. MDH had actually also endorsed Beto and Shri. Yep. And, um, and build on that coalition so we can get some, some really progressive people on Sri Lanka City Council and start reflecting the way people actually feel on the ground, right? So this is a nonpartisan race. We don't really put a DNR next to our name, but certainly there's a different value system that comes when you get people that represent uh, the folks that are actually paying taxes, living a civic life and doing the volunteering, doing the work necessary to make the city of Sugarland vibrant and thrive. Yeah, I think um, the one positive note that we've gotten from the 2016 um, election results is is just like the rise of uh, minority communities, um, Muslims, Latinos, um, you know, transgender, um, openly gay communities, um, bringing the best of the best in terms of candidates that can run to represent those communities and actually win. So I think that's, that's a great um, outcome and a really positive way to look at something that most people weren't very happy about and uh, looking forward to see what um, 2020 will bring too. Yeah. And one of the reasons where, you know, I'm running because I, we need representation and I'm sure I'm to council and I believe I'm the, I'm the most qualified and the most capable and also because I think it's important that we keep that engagement with our voters up between those big elections. So this is a small election, it's a small turnout. Um, it's a random Saturday in May, you know, when I'm trying to get people to come out if you don't have a Beto or anyone else on the ticket to, to really incite people. So people who are gonna come out are really gonna come out just to vote for you. Um, but that voter engagement, there, there was so much headway made in 2018 that we have to keep that up. We have to keep that relationship up, that this is normal. You go out and you vote. And if you're more, if you voted in 2018, November, and you're voting in 2019, May, then you're more likely to vote in 2020, November. 
and uh, those that that relationship continues to build. And also, we have made sure to have a lot of young people. We're very intentional about having young people on our team. Yeah, uh, I think a they don't have some of the baggage that the older generation has. They're there because they want to be there and they're excited. And then B, we're teaching a lot of it is us giving them the skills that they need to, in order to run a campaign. So we're hoping that they learn kind of the nitty gritty of being on a campaign with a title they can put on their resume. And then come 2020, we plug them in into a Senate campaign, a presidential campaign. And all of a sudden, they have a ladder on which they can climb and hopefully one day run for office themselves. And that's part of, I think, our M-Gage philosophy. And so uh, it's something that I've taken from M-Gage and certainly um, implementing it in my own team. And, and we already have seen a lot of, you know, a lot of potential. And, and we're really excited to see what these young people do. Uh, yeah. From- It's really exciting. So what do you think are some of the top issues um, that impact the Muslim community in Sugarland and then greater Houston as well? So, okay, being a candidate that wears a scarf, uh, there's been the Islamophobic attack, which is normal. And that was expected. But I feel like it hasn't been as bad as I thought. You know, uh, it could have been a lot worse. So I feel like we're a little bit protected or insulated because of the communities that we live in. But we still live in Texas. And so in terms of the Muslim community, oh my gosh, some of the bills that come out of our Texas legislation, legislature, you can't believe it. So we've actually have someone working for almost full time in Austin right now because we have a very strange legislative system. And I haven't studied other states, but I, I'm assuming ours is stranger than other states. We, we only meet every two years for a very limited time. So anything that has to be done has to be done very quickly like before May, because after that, you can't make any laws until the next two years. It's a really busy time for Engage and for other organizations that are trying to make sure that all those important bills get it. In Texas, there is always anti-Sharia bills. Um, there are always uh, bills that are trying to make voting. Voting is huge. People are obsessed with somehow trying to make voting difficult. So just silly bills that like, one of our elected officials, like, he wanted to purge the voter rolls of 90,000 people because he believed that they were on their fraudulently or whatever. And that went to court and it didn't work. But the point right. is that it happened, right? Yeah. You're kind of always dealing with these issues where you're trying to get people to, to not vote. So we have the most complex voter registration system, I think, in the entire country, from my understanding. Wow. You can't get people registered to vote unless you're deputized. So you have to go through a formal deputization training. And if you don't get, if you try to get people to vote and get caught, you can get fined. And then even when you are registered, you have to take those voter registration applications and return them within five days. And there's all these onerous responsibilities only because they want to make it difficult for people to vote. Um, So we're working on some bills in the Texas legislature, like automatic online voter registration, trying to get polling centers on university campuses so young people can vote. Um, So there's been efforts to do that. um, And it all has to be crammed into this like 2019 session. And also fighting these anti like voter bills and then fighting the anti-Muslim bills so there's a lot going on in Texas. Uh, we're very busy. We're always trying to make sure that we have our pulse on whatever bills are coming through the system. But it's hard. It's hard being, it's hard yeah. being in Texas in some sense. 
Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a lot. <laughs> the the voter suppression always makes me laugh. I know I shouldn't be laughing, but we have real world repercussions, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, if you haven't voted for like a few cycles, they'll take you off the list because they'll assume you died or something. I don't know. Yeah. Then someone's like, I know I'm registered to vote, but I'm not voting. It's like, well, did you vote the last election? No. Well, then you might be. Might have been. Yeah. yeah. I mean, things like that. There's just constant barriers put up mm-hmm. uh, in, order to, uh, in order to make it difficult. But there's headway. So we're making changes. Um, so one of the things that we've done in, in Harris County and even here in Fort Bend, MGH has always tried, at least our local chapter has tried, to make sure that voting centers are in places that are accessible to Muslims. So uh, it's looking like the Turkish Community Center will be a vote center for the Houston city elections that are going to happen in November of 2019. And over here in Sugarland, we have many of the Islamic Center as a vote center. Oh, great. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, if you have, like, I always vote in a church. Yeah. So if you can vote in a church, you should also be able to vote in a mosque, right? Oh, I can't believe this. So, so we made the mosque a vote. Like, like there was a big effort made by Muslims, and, and the mosque is now a voting center. It's also just educating people, right? I mean, I sort of understand how Muslims are completely foreign to a lot of Americans that just may not be exposed to it. But, you know, it's all about educating, and, and you know, we're all humans, and we have probably way more similarities than we do have differences. And it's just about making those points clear all the time, right? So. Exactly. Uh, I think a lot of it is um, going out into communities and meeting people and, and, and getting to know them uh, and then running for council. And, and, and that yeah. gives you an opportunity. I think, you know, I always thought that you, I served my community by, by promoting and protecting democracy with engage. But you know, what's really bold is, is, is putting yourself out there for the people and, and, and putting yourself you know, to them to see like, okay, if you get elected, then all of a sudden you're, you're really serving your community. And that gives you a chance to meet people in a completely different way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So when is election day? How many people are running? And let us know where we can find out more information about your campaign. Sure. So election day is May 4th, but early voting is from April 22nd to 30th. And you can find out more by visiting my website, Nabila for Sugarland, so N-A-B-I-L-A for Sugarland.com. Um, and that should have all the info. It'll have like a bio page about me, kind of some of my issues that I'm running on, uh, also all that voting day info. Um, and we, so this is an open seat. I'm running for someone who was term limited. They had uh, run for four terms, and so now they were term limited. And, and so there's three people in the race. Um, so this should be interesting. Uh, we, this is not a, um, uh, like a winner take all. It's, it's, a, it's the way it works is you have to get over 50% in order to win outright. Otherwise it goes into a runoff at the top two candidates. So if that happens, that would be another month of electioning. Um, I was talking to someone yesterday. I was like, I wish we did that ranked system of voting, uh, which is, taking off in certain cities across the country where you don't have to do a runoff. People rank the order of the people that they want. And that way there's only one election and you can kind of figure out who wins. Uh, It's interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. And, and so, so there are some people lobbying for it in Austin. Person I was talking to, they've been lobbying for it in Austin. I don't know how far that will go, but, um, but, but it would, it would take away some of the cost of doing these runoff elections, which can, you know, cost a lot of money, take more time. Um, but that was like, yeah, I would love to have that. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, best of luck, Nabila. And thank you so much for your time and, um, joining us on the pod today. 
All right, great. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you soon. Okay.